opening the possibility to a new vision of his or her life. There's just this umbilical cord that attaches you to that kind of um, commitment. That was Rebecca Kidwell, president of Learn Science and Math Club in Kansas City, president of Synthesis Solutions in Kansas City, Harvard grad, Stanford grad, super smart, big-hearted mom of three. And she covered a lot of ground today. We covered a lot of ground together. She has an amazing story. Uh, She is up to tons of good. We covered things like how play is the work of childhood, what it takes to succeed, Uh, her concept of what invent for good means, how stretching and sacrifice produces results that outpace what might otherwise have been done, and her, in her words, wants to be remembered for is having a loving heart. So I think you'll enjoy this conversation. I think you'll be benefited from this conversation, and I was inspired, and I hope you are too. Here we go. Rebecca Kidwell. Welcome back, y'all. I'm joined by Rebecca Kidwell, and her her resume is really too long to intro the whole thing. <laughs> She's got such a a wild and amazing uh, and, and storied, frankly, career, and is up to so much good that we're super pumped to have her on the show. So, Rebecca, I, I would like you to maybe introduce yourself, um, and I am... I just want to express my gratitude for you coming to lovely Liberty, Missouri today on a cold, cold winter morning, um, wearing your super geek t-shirt. I know you don't love (laughs) t-shirts, but, but, uh, you are in your, in your super geek on brand t-shirt. So, uh, who are you? Welcome to the show. (laughs) Oh gosh, this isn't a very American (laughs) response, but I'm a mom of three kids and I, great stuff. Um, have been blessed for 19 years mm. to teach um, after school and um, uh, enrichment courses for kids ages 5 to 21 as a volunteer. Mm. Um, in my real job, I run a software development company and for many more years than that, <laughs> and that's what I do. That's awesome. How old, mom of three, how old are those children? 21, 23, and 25. That's great. That's so great. We, we talked before we started rolling just a touch about children <laughs> and launching and hesitancy towards launching at times. As, as, as lots of the listeners know, we're, we've launched our oldest into orbit, kind of. <laughs> and <laughs> she's a freshman in college, and it's just such an interesting experience as the parent to know like man what do you do they don't teach you this part in co- in the in the hospital room they don't tell you what to do here they don't teach you any of it do you <laughs> you just have to find your way one of the favorite things that i was told um as a new parent by the parent of one of my friends so somebody who'd raised all of his children was when they're little uh it, you have this really close contact where you can pick them up and rescue them mm. from whatever situation mm. they're in and day by day the distance grows greater mm. and your ability to save them is smaller and eventually you're standing on top of the empire state building and you're watching down below as a crash is starting <laughs> to occur and you're waving stop, stop stop and there's really nothing you can do <laughs> and that's i think kind of the beginning of where you are now yeah that's uh that is a wonderful wonderful visual actually and and kind of terrifying <laughs> <laughs> it's totally terrifying um a, a you were you were wise and humble and and wonderful to downplay some of the the things and so just just so listeners have some context and I know you won't say this about yourself um Rebecca has degrees from Stanford from Harvard she has run as the president of Synthesis Solutions has run that firm for quite some time um and also serves as the president of Learn Science and Math Club which is how we met and I was, uh, we were introduced by a, a mutual friend, Joe Edwards, shout out to Joe. And we, we, I've been in Joe's leadership forum group for a year-ish, a little over a year now. 
And from time to time, he'll have guest speakers or friends of his or um, other entrepreneurs who have come to share stories, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, whatever. And he had, he had made mention of, he's like, hey, you need to meet Rebecca Kidwell. She's got this in, in, in Joe's like, in Joe's black and white and uh, his pretty pragmatic approach to life, which I love and need more of in my life, actually. Um, Joe's like, I, I, they like build cars for kids and it's super awesome. And I, I don't really know all the details, but you need to meet her. <laughs> and then in the, in the next month or two, you came and presented to our group, which is 12-ish people who are doing stuff, running companies or building, building teams or whatever. And when, when you started sharing about the Geeks for Kids mission, I'm just sitting there in my own emotion going, oh my gosh, like what? <laughs> like what, what, a, what a gift and what a, what a beautiful thing you're up to. So my long, very long rambling question and intro is like, what is Geeks for Kids and, and why the Super Geek t-shirt? What does that <laughs> mean? So Learn has taught many um, STEM enrichment programs over the years, and all of them have been a blast for us who've had the privilege of, of um, offering what we know and have learned over our years to the kids in a fun way. But after many years of coaching robotics teams, we began to see that as wonderful as that is, the kids were feeling a little sad about tearing apart their robots at the end of the year and really wanting to build something that lasted, something that mm. mattered to other people and something they did not have to disassemble. Um, and so we started looking for something that gave them that opportunity. And um, we came across a program called Go Baby Go out of the University of Delaware where they do exactly that. They build little cars for kids who cannot otherwise get around um, because they, the neurophysicist who started this could not find mm. resources for his kids that they could afford. And after they published their work, they invited other people to pick up that same banner and build cool things that empower kids who otherwise would not have the freedom to play and explore independently. And we thought, that's it. <laughs> that's a thing our kids would enjoy. We brought it back to the teams and presented it and... and uh, it caught on like wildfire, and we began to do that, um, in, gosh, four years ago, building just one little car for a guy named Colson, who was uh, two at the time. And at the end of that season of building his buggy, we realized that our kids and our mentors were as thrilled as we imagined we would be, and, and that began this new phase. So for four years now, we've been doing it. That's amazing. I'm curious, how did, and we're going to get to the specifics of the last four years, how did you get to this point in, and, and really in your journey of your life, like, where did you grow up? How did you get involved and interested in, uh, when someone says robotics to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not very smart, <laughs> right? Um, and I'm wondering, like, my gosh, my goodness, you've had this wonderful arc of a narrative like where did it all begin where did you grow up i grew up here okay actually not in liberty but yes. not far yeah. from here yeah. <coughs> um and uh, went away to school realized i missed home like yeah. your oldest daughter um and after i graduated and worked a year or two far away far far away how far uh hawaii Whoa. england uh um <laughs> Worked uh, as what? What were you doing there? Uh, I was um, director of technical publications and customer support for the only air and train traffic control amazing. operator in Hawaii. That's amazing. The con air and train traffic control manufacturer. Um, amazing. It was a great first introduction to a job. Um, a full-time job. And then realized I wanted to be here. Mm. So I moved back to Kansas City and mm. tried to get a tech job and couldn't because there was very little tech in Kansas City. So I worked for a year or two as the director of marketing for a technical person, okay. a very weird job, okay. yeah. um, for a hospital, which was really a great mm. experience, even though it was totally off the beaten path of my career, but learned a lot about what it means to deliver care 
mm. uh, and led to my eventually working in healthcare information systems as well as in database management systems and then eventually starting the company I run now. That's amazing. How, what were the components of life that led you to start a thing? That's a, like, a, a, went to Stanford, went to Harvard, had all these awesome experiences, super talented, capable, smart, all that. Um, being, not that there's anything wrong with, you could have climbed the employee corporate ladder and done that thing. You chose to start, you shook your head. So yeah, no, no, I you couldn't, couldn't have done that. Right. To, why? Why? Uh, I don't know. Bull in the China <laughs> shop, I guess. Um, you asked me in passing previously, what was I afraid of that was keeping me from doing something? Mm. Uh, that just doesn't, I don't understand that question. <laughs> Instead, it's what am I afraid of not doing? Mm. Um, and so... I wanted to try things I couldn't do in my job. I wanted to have a bigger voice in um, quality c control and product development. And finally just grabbed the reins and ran off down the road by myself. So not really by myself, but another feeling free, yeah. freely. <laughs> <laughs> How did, what, what was, what was life like then? Did you have kids at that point or, mm -hmm. okay. No. So this is pre, pre mother of one. One year before. We one year before. Okay. The, um, company while we were trying to adopt our oldest child, which okay. was an insane and stupid idea, but <laughs> I didn't know that at the time. Um, and she was born mm. about the company's first anniversary. Amazing. And, and then the adventure really began. Yeah. <laughs> it really yeah. got complicated of at course. that point. Of course. In, as best you can, we're, we're almost six years into our little grab the reins and run down the road journey um, at Guild in terms of building this group and this team and this opportunity and the way we see the world as best as you can 25, 26 years ago when you started your business, what were the things you experienced that you had no, kind of like the parenting thing we talked about, yeah. the Eiffel Tower. Like you, you, you start a thing that you don't really know what you're doing. <laughs> I think that's the beautiful secret I've learned is like, nobody really knows when you first start, you might have wonderful business plans and all this, all these ideas. And then, you, then you go into it like parenting, frankly. And you're it's like, exactly. Oh, Oh, it's way different than anybody told me. And it's way harder. And I would absolutely do it again. Like what were, what was that? Uh, the best you can experience, remember those first early years of forming and starting a thing. I think both, especially coincidentally, starting a company and starting my life as a parent taught me humility. Oh, <laughs> my Amen. belief prior, you know, I sort of have life before Jenna and life after Jenna. That's oh. our first child's Kay. name. Yeah. Um, and before Jenna, my life was about um, strategic plans and spreadsheets and mapping everything out and major goals and and then I learned that all of that just goes right in the trash bin and life happens. And um, so I think I spent the first five years both of Synthesis, which is the company for which I work, mm. and of Jenna's childhood, and then soon of Learn, learning that life is the thing that happens <laughs> while you're planning. <laughs> um, I still make plans. I can't let go. I still have a million <laughs> lists. I have lists of lists, but I am much more aware now that those lists must change. Oh, that's so. beautiful. That's well said. As as you grew both your family and you grew synthesis, wh where did learn come into the picture and, and how? I'm curious. And and I don't frankly even really know what's the governance of learn is learn a nonprofit. Not so, profit. okay. So yeah, tell me about, tell us about learn and how your story intersected with what they're doing. Well, I certainly didn't even intend to start learn. We you started learn. Yes. Got it. Okay. Not even remotely did we intend to start learn, but when our children were very small, we formed a kind of a parenting co-op, not really even more like enrichment co-op, okay. which we called lunch bunch where we awesome. shut down our company every Friday afternoon and we took kids, our kids and their friends and their friends' parents um, on field trips and did all these fun things. And that awesome. was awesome. But pretty soon they were ready for something more. Mm. Um, you know, they w we needed not to just go visit 
Chicago or the police station and take a tour, but we wanted to offer more enrichment. And Goffman Foundation was hoping to expand robotics um, education programs in Kansas City. Awesome. And, <coughs> excuse me, I cough. Oh, you're good. Probably totally cough fine. the whole time. Totally fine. Um, and we were amongst the only technical people. I was the only technical person in the room during that conversation. And so we, my husband and I, agreed to teach a one-time small group robotics team, uh, coach a robotics team for kids 9 to 14. <laughs> and our, young, our oldest child, Jenna, was eight. So she wasn't even quite old enough, but we thought, yeah, she can do it. Ish. And yeah. it was... Horrifying and wonderful and horrifying. Um, you know, it, it's Legos. It's first Lego league is Legos. How hard can it be? And we came to Rockhurst where we were holding our classes um, at Rockhurst University for the first day. And it wasn't 10 kids. Mm. It was 60. Whoa. Which we had not planned on. <laughs> and there was just Whoa. two of us and the parents. And then also there were all these boxes and boxes and boxes of Legos. And at that time, were no instructions. We thought there would be. We were. We saved the boxes to open them like Christmas together, and then we're looking in there, and there's just piles of Legos with little tiny computers that they called Mindstorm bricks, and (laughs) (laughs) so it became a habit of staying up really late studying and trying to build robots ourselves, and then going in the next day and teaching it, and then going back and trying to learn the next step. Sure. So it was. an accidental launch. Hmm. Aren't those sometimes the best ones? It was. Hmm. It was the best thing ever. Hmm. Why? Because of the kids. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I yeah. could be with the kids all day, every day. Well, and, and to a degree, at least from the extent that I know, you kind of are. <laughs> like, <laughs> not 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 oh. all day, every oh. day, but but I'm I'm struck. You you we met with a broader group of our team to hear more of your story and see if there's a way we can serve your organization. And I was struck by the intensity, I think is the word that comes to mind, of focus that is required to to put the like software development company on a shelf, which is impossible. <laughs> That's a big thing. And a whole 12 people-ish on your team, right? 10. 10, yeah. Um, very big very big thing that that would and could absolutely fill a career and a life of a you know the work part of the bucket and then the intensity in which it takes to run lead serve grow (laughs) nourish nurture communicate Uh, and 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 there's probably a million stories in your mind the couple that came to mind mine were like man rebecca drove a car to portland to to de- to personally deliver this car to this family like what <laughs> not in a not in yeah. a but just in this like stunned way of like what that's unbelievable I love what I do in my job I do and I'd like to think that what I do is sometimes important to Absolutely. other people but it, there's nothing like hmm. changing a kid's life or making him happy even if it's just hmm. for a few minutes or giving him a power he didn't have before or um, opening the possibility to a new vision of his or her life. There's just this umbilical cord (laughs) that attaches you to that kind of um, commitment that is way more powerful. Mm. Mm. What what does that experience what is that experience like for you personally in terms of the the feeling of it the emotion of it the purpose of it well and maybe put us in the in the room so to speak of a walk us through the process a how do you identify a child not per not a specific one how do you get a recommendation of a family that needs this then you know that's on one end of the I'm not a process person. <laughs> so you're going to be like, hey, well, man, I'm a person, I know you so are. I, that, <laughs> I know you are. Okay. So my like simple mind is you get an inbound request <laughs> or you're made aware of a 
situation. And then the the last part, which I'm so glad I don't teach robotics, everybody would be miserably failing at this, that the last thing is that the car is beautiful and specific and it's delivered personally. There's a lot that takes place from A to Z. Walk us through that journey and how you and your team are getting um, aware. How, how, is, how, are, how are you getting notified of the need? Today, and even in the beginning, even with Colson, but it has developed over the years into a much bigger funnel. Um, Colson was referred to us by Variety KC, which is an organization yeah. that yeah. provides um, assistive devices to kids. And since then, today, we have referral agencies um, like Children's Mercy's Physical and Occupational Therapy Clinic and Britain Development Center mm. and Ability Casey and many others. All the pediatric OTPT clinics in town, I think, today mm. refer, and some from out of town. Um, and that comes in, the f- although families can just apply, and that would be my greatest um, wish, is that more and more people would know how to, and that they can ask for a car because they're free mm. and it's we take every kid that we can serve as long as we know how to solve for his or her needs, we say yes. So while we do have referral agencies, anybody can apply, anybody can refer. But today an application comes in online from our website and it takes about two minutes for that application to be completed. Um, then I call them and speak to them and set up an appointment we call a needs assessment. Mm. We meet with them for an hour or two at the beginning during COVID. That was real fun. Yeah, sure. Um, still, Wasn't still everything? <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, certainly taught us a lot. Yeah, it did. So um, when we meet with them, we have a very structured interview format that we go through uh, trying to understand what are the challenges the child faces and trying to play to his her, her strengths and then work around those challenges to give them the power to get out and be present in the world and to make choices for themselves. Um, And then we have a wonderful group of people um, on the design team, and I'll take back the documentation from those meetings and sit down and we'll brainstorm about how we can build a custom toy car. This isn't your size car. Hmm. Um, It's appropriate for (laughs) these little persons. and what other assistive devices they need. And over the last four years, largely that's been a process of invention um, because no kid is the same and none of their challenges are exactly the same. And so not only do we build cars, but we build lots of assistive devices that are added to those cars to make them workable for a child who is not in some you know center of the norm um, and then we spend about 400 labor hours building Jeez. them and their components, and we deliver them usually in the spring because mm. the car, today they're outdoor toys, and it's not much fun to get one when it's snowing outside and you can't play in it. But um, that's not always the case. It kind of depends on the, how immediate the need is. Why cars? Why cars? And how, how did you get to cars? Well, partly it was go, baby, go. Mm. You know, it was yeah. the inspiration of that moment, and we set off, um, inspired by that, to provide mobility. And I'll talk a little bit about why mobility, yeah. but I want to first say our interests aren't l- limited to mobility. One day, the dream is that we would solve lots of problems that kids have, from birth to adulthood. There are lots and lots and lots of things that kids need that they can't always get. But mobility. First, because it's what came to us first. You know, the need arose, and that's what we met. Second, mobility matters because we learn by doing, and most particularly children learn by doing. I always love that Dr. Seuss said, play is the work of childhood, and it is how they learn. Learn best, and in the beginning, learn it all. And if they can't do that, then they cannot grow as they should. Um, so lots of, there are lots of statistics. So, for example, mm. um, 
half a million kids under the age of five in the U.S. have mobility problems. Millions of kids ages five to 18 have mobility problems. On top of that, while insurance companies do their best, the reality is many of them will not pay for motorized wheelchairs until the child is five because the assumption is that prior to five, they're not leaving their parents. They, uh, this is the assumption, not the fact, yeah. is that the parent can carry them or the parent can put them mm. in the stroller or the wagon and move them about. Mm. And even after five, they may or may not have good insurance. And if they do have insurance, that insurance only wants to pay for a replacement wheelchair periodically. Mm. But stuff happens. Wheelchairs break, get tumped over, uh, kids outgrow them, their ch- needs change. And those, therefore, those needs might not be met. And the consequences of that are catastrophic. Um, and I think it's one of the things that most inspired us about Go, Be Go, Go Baby Go was that Cole Galloway, the founder of that program, um, relayed statistics like um, kids who cannot move on their own, who may be completely intellectually um, healthy and well will not form their brain connections the way they would if they could do stuff. Mm. So it hampers intellectual development. Obviously, it hampers physical development. If you can't do stuff, then you can't grow stronger. And then finally, um, kids in wheelchairs have 70 to 90% fewer social interactions. Well, we also... 70 to 90? Jeez. They're they're on the sidelines of life a lot of the time. So many Mm. of our families, when they apply, the number one most common thing they say is, my kid is looking out the window watching everybody else play. Mm. We just want him or her to be able Mm. to play with the neighborhood kids, be with the brothers and sisters, uh, you know. Mm. And so that's why mobility today remains the core focus of what we do. I hope someday it's bigger. But for now, it's a really important linchpin in a child's development. What stories pop into your brain like Polaroids, right, of the Colsons or the – I'm not sure, you know, names specifically don't matter necessarily to, to the conversation. But I'd love to hear pieces of the, the transformation moments, right? The, there are just the, so many. I mean, yeah. everyone – I guess that's the thing – that I want people to most know. I mean, if you have kids yourself, every one of them's super awesome, Mm. Mm. right? But what if one of them doesn't get to do all the things the others get to do? Maybe doesn't get to do most of the things the others get to do. That's just Mm. gut-wrenching. Devastating, devastating. (laughs) For all all of us. Um, And often it's not... It's the parents and the grandparents and the aunts and the uncles who are crying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the kids are almost always thrilled. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's the tears are everybody around. Mm-hmm. Um, so Pol- I'll just tell you a little bit about Colson because it was that, you know, the first little ball that began to roll down the hill, that experience um, set everything else rolling. Um, Colson is a healthy, strong brood of a little boy <laughs> Love it. Um, with all brothers and desperately wanted to play with his brothers outside. Um, <coughs> and he just couldn't. They live on not a farm, but a bigger piece of land uh, near Lewisburg, Kansas. And he was left out. And so when he came for his first interview and we spent time with him, we thought, okay, we can do this. We don't have any dang idea. This became a theme through learn. <laughs> we don't know how to do this, but we will figure but it we're out. we're going to figure it yes, out. Yes, we're going to yeah. figure it out. Um, and so that, in that case, we decided we were going to build on toy cars that you could get from Toys R Us because we didn't see any need to reinvent the wheel, literally. Yeah. Um, instead, we felt it was most important to concentrate on developing systems that would adapt those cars so that our kids could get out and play. So we picked a Fisher-Price toy that is particularly good for our use because it will hold two people, and so they could have a buddy, and even better, they could 
have a buddy and be in charge, not a passenger or a bystander. And for those um, who haven't seen, I, I mean, visually, you're talking a power wheel, so to speak. Yeah, like the, it is, in fact, the, the a power Jeep, wheel the, dune racer. Yeah, okay, okay, cool, cool. That's right. Um, but it met a lot of the basic criteria, low to the ground, so a little more approachable if the kid has any mobility, really wide, and therefore not easy to flip over because we were terrified yeah, <laughs> that they'd course. hurt. Um, large meant they, they could start in it at two, or later <laughs> we moved down to one and stay in it for years, and we wanted them to be able to enjoy it for a long period of time, and it was as good as any toy we could find. We'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> so for Colson, because he is um, completely able from the waist up, um, we just needed to adapt the drive system so that he didn't have to push a gas pedal. They don't have gas, but sure, it sure. functions similarly. Um, that that control would be governed by his hands because he's strong and able um, with his hands and arms. So we created our first what we call a go button car, which means that there is a button under his dominant hand on the steering wheel, and as he grasps the edge of the steering wheel, it accidentally but not really intentionally um, presses that button, and it goes, and when he opens his hand, it stops. Um, that one mm. change was the principal difference between his being able to use a toy like other kids, this kind of toy like other kids did, or not. Um, we also added a bunch of things, roll bar, padded seats, seat belts, and others, and that laid the foundation for looking at what else either makes them comfortable or makes keeps them safe or makes it more possible for mm. them to get out and move. Um, so That's wonderful. Talking about delivering the yeah, car yeah. to Colson. He came in. Uh, for his first test drive and fitting. Came in where? Where, where does that mean? At that time, our workshop was at a former Catholic school that had been okay. closed, and we okay. had our workshop there. And so he came into the gym okay. where we had a little more space because uh, he wasn't a really great driver <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> and he did Parents are with make him, a obviously. hole in the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yes. The whole family was there, brothers and parents. Um, Is this like a weekend, a night? It was a in the evening. Okay, okay. Uh, Thursday evening. Mm. And um, mm. so we got him into his buggy. Uh, he, that was, he dubbed it from the first minute. That's awesome. Um, buckled him in um, and explained the controls, and he was kind of just pushing oh, our yeah, hand yeah, away. Yeah, I yeah, have no time for you. And um, squeezed the button and took off. Threw it into reverse. We didn't even know that he knew that reverse was there yet and hit his brother. Oh, lovely. And we thought, oh, my gosh. Uh, again, <laughs> you know, the beginning do? of more yeah. inventions. So I race out and buy golf cart and rear view mirrors. Beautiful. So we put them on the car so, so we can smart. see behind him. Yeah, it wasn't because he used them to aim better at his brothers. Oh. It turns out he really, really <laughs> likes course. to hit his brothers. Yeah. Um, but it was the beginning not only of our, you know, mm thrill because he was mm. so so happy but of learning an awfully lot about what it takes to succeed um and every child every car and every year has brought huge change um and i cannot tell you how amazing i wear the super geek shirt because our team really are super geeks they have just made amazing things every year since what? every day since yeah that's be I, I, I just i can't even um fully imagine the the moment for of course for colson but goodness like you like you said for colson's parents for you for your team brothers. his brothers just to see the visible difference that I don't. I'm not minimizing your effort, but in fairly no. simple, it's like a it's a car, it's a toy car. That's right. And like what what one little thing like that can unlock in that child is just magnificent. It's revolutionary. Yeah. Mm. So I'll tell you about Milo, and it, it, we didn't build anything much different from Milo for Milo than we did for Colson. But when he came in, he was two two, and his mom sent us pictures of him looking out the big mm. glass window and all the kids that lived in their neighborhood 
at, including his big sister, playing outside. And she said, this is the one thing that we want for him, is that he can be there. I'm sure they wanted other things. Sure. But which, talking yeah, to us, it was the one thing that they wanted from us. And um, so not only were we going to build a car for him, but it, it, that was another instance of learning of something new. They Lots now, we know, lots of physical therapies, therapists and parents know that their ch- children need to practice more movements than the car can ask of them. We spent a lot of time when we began to realize they wanted them to push up or pull back or rotate their wrists, trying to figure out, could we make the drive systems yeah. do that? And that would just be too weird. It would <laughs> cause use injuries and things. And we, so that didn't make sense. So we knew that we wanted to create something new, to add to the cars, diff- many things new, actually, um, that would invite kids to try using their bodies in additional ways. For Milo, it was using his biceps to pull back, and we were like, okay, what could we make? And we were working with what became our new Invent for Good uh, program. We were working with a team at Pittsburgh State who mm. wanted to participate in a design and prototyping project, but they couldn't come to us you know, every night. Yeah. So f- from where they were, they wanted to do this. So we thought... Well, okay, then design something for Milo. And it was a team of mostly 19-year-old giant football-playing farm boys. <laughs> and they started calling Milo their, their little stud. How's our little stud doing today? And they designed, they wanted to design a ping-pong ball shooter, which I thought was great because it is Love something it. kids yeah. would like. For and sure. That they, big ones and small ones. Yep. Um, first iteration, it was a Gatling gun, bigger than the car. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, uh, hey, bro. Hey, dude. <laughs> you know, I can have the Gatling gun or I can have Milo in the car, but not both. That's not going to work. It's just part of the great fun of working with student engineers on oh, this yeah. project is there's so much opportunity for them to learn and grow, too. But anyway, they uh, together eventually we got it down to you know maybe about 12 inches long, and it could be bolted on the side of the car, and Milo loved. Both his car and his new ping pong ball shooter. And his mom sent me a picture, a video, actually a whole bunch, of kids lined up from their driveway all the way down the street to let the Milo, to get a ride with Milo. That changed his world. Changed everybody's, you know, our world, the family's world, to know that not only did Milo get going, but he became... One of the coolest kids on the block with that hot rod. So. It's amazing, and and I'm I'm far from a licensed therapist. Okay, so take take this comment with that massive context. The the dis- in, in my mind, I'm picturing him in his picture window, isolated, withdrawn, and, and frankly, to, to an extent, the feeling of abandonment, the the psychological response of I am separate and different and. And, and maybe even at worst, like, I'm bad. Something's wrong with me. I'm fundamentally flawed. To Milo with a ping-pong shooter in this kick-ass, pardon the language, vehicle, cruising the cul-de-sac with a line waiting to be with Milo. And that, that bridge of the human connection that you and your team are creating is beautiful to go from, again, not not to, I'm not prescribing anything specific. I'm just suggest I'm painting the picture in my own mind of this isolated, separate, distinct picture window to connection and humanity and relationship and friendship and what that does to a soul can't be can't be described on a PowerPoint. <laughs> it's like it has to be witnessed and experienced. And I hope, I mean, Milo is a bubbly, happy baby. I hope he wasn't actually suffering. Mm. But nonetheless, it can't be great for his or anybody else's Mm. development. And sometimes it's more than just the experience of being present, Mm. but it's also, well, it is so much more than the experience of being in the game. It's so much more than that. But one of the things is it's also being accepted. Uh, Another Mm. child the next year after Colson, who received the car, um, Jerry, 
came to us, another really powerful, strong, capable kid um, who simply couldn't get out and play because he'd been hit by a car when he was two and had massive catastrophic injuries. He came through so much better than um, his family and his care team expected, but he was, a, he is a paraplegic, and so they wanted a car for him for mobility reasons, and there were lots of happy reports about how much he loved his car. He, he insisted they take it to the zoo, to the park, to grandma's house, and we all felt awesome about that, but about a year later, his mom wrote to us, and she said, I want to share something with you that Jerry said that entirely shifted my perspective of the ba- value of mm. being mobile, of being in this car. Uh, we thought it was about freedom to play and freedom to be present with the other kids. But he said, you know, Mom, what I like best is that when I'm in my car, I'm just a kid. Mm. Um, uh, maybe I'm even a cool kid. But when I'm in my wheelchair, people talk to me like I'm stupid. They won't look at me. They act, talk to me like I don't understand things. But in my car, they just think I'm another kid. Wow. And, mm. you know, there's nothing wrong with Jerry. <laughs> He's super capable and smart. That. So, yeah, we want them to just be in the game. Yeah, that's wonderful. It's just, yeah, it's, uh, it's wonderful. I, I'm curious who else in it beyond the, ch- certainly the children like Milo and Jerry and others, Colson, of course, impacts their world big time, no doubt. Hero in the story, right? Um, what other characters are involved in this story that have, that have changed, that have learned, that have grown? You mentioned Pittsburgh State football players. You mentioned... Um, obviously yourself, um, who else has been along for this journey that you've witnessed? Uh, and again, it may be at a dramatic word, but have witnessed transformation, have witnessed change, have have experienced the good and are now different themselves. Who, who's been along that ride with you? So many, so many. So first, Geeks was and is the flagship of program of this initiative. Learn has had many programs over the 19 years, but now Geeks has a daughter program called Invent for Good. Mm. And I'll explain in a minute what Invent for Good is. But when we began four years ago, it was our coaching, robotics coaching team and our high school robotics team Mm. that built Colson's car. And our high school robotics team was as thrilled <laughs> as any of the adults. And really, they and our middle school robotics kids are the impetus for starting Geeks for Kids. Um, and to backtrack, that really came from a middle school team, a really young mm-hmm. 9 to 11-year-old group of kids who really wanted to build an invention that they'd been thinking about as uh, middle school robotics asks them to propose an invention on a theme, a a technical theme each year. And in this case, the theme was biomedical engineering, and they had proposed um, a device they called ScriptAlert to to remind people to take the right medicine, the right dose at the right time. Nine to 11-year-olds, just to to be clear. (laughs) Nine to 11-year-olds. Got it, got it. And they desperately wanted to build it, and we always are about empowering our kids and we are always about honoring their judgment sometimes we have to redirect a little bit sure sure uh, that's another story entirely um but we knew they didn't have the money and they absolutely as wonderful Mm. as they were um first in the world in middle school robotics nonetheless didn't have the skills to do that project um but they kept at it. They kept reminding us that this is something we want to build. So you know already the story. I feel a little abashed to bother you with no, this story please, twice. No, please bother. But they... Not a bother. Uh, we decided, okay, they at least needed to know that we would be behind them and make an effort. So I hunted around trying to find some program that would give them a venue for pursuing this further and we applied for the MIT invention competition called Invent Team, 
which they had no prospect of winning because it was for high school through adult inventors, and only 10 groups in the world win in a given year. And so we knew they wouldn't. But it, the process of writing all their work down and having the research and the, the drawings helped the experience them alone formalize, would be worth it. Yes. formalize their vision. And that was a good thing. But they did win. And they spent with... Um, they won the whole thing. They, they won that grant application, and we spent a year building the product, uh, the mentor group and the kids, and they had to stretch so far, even though the mentors helped a lot, and we're, a, we're allowed to do mm. so in this program. Um, they still had to learn wh- what databases were, and mm. um, they, we worked with two um, study groups at senior living facilities, Bishop Spencer Place for one, so they went monthly and interviewed senior groups and spent time with them learning what they needed and had to do hardware design and CAD and all kinds of things that they unbelievable had huge huge amounts of reporting <laughs> um, and had a working beautiful product at the end of the year and went to present and um, were best in show and won a patent and at MIT at MIT. And it was awesome. And it was they who, at the end of that, during our postmortem, which is a part of every program, is at the end of each new product or production, we ask what went well, what didn't, what would you do mm. differently next time? The answer is this is what we want to do with our lives. Um, all three yeah. of my kids were on that team, and all three of them still hold it as the exemplar for, for what mm. they want teams to be, what they want um, they want that sense of purpose and sure. and collaboration and and invention. Something bigger in their than lives. themselves, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. that really set the stage for Geeks for Kids. So Dang. that carried into building a car for Colson, and then each of the cars after our kids grew and grew and grew, our students grew. They had to create new things. They had to really think about what this child needs and how to design something they'd never seen or built before, and they had to do it in um, you know a few months, and it had to be real and reproducible and cheap because the cars are free <laughs> to the kids. They are not free to us. And um, it's really been a stretch. So Invent for Good was born from that. Invent for Good is a program that allows student teams to adopt a, um, a challenge that we're facing um, on behalf of our kids so we have this huge, long database of things that families and kids and therapists have asked us for that we have yet to build. And um, especially during COVID, it was hard for the teams. We, we have a lot of robotics teams, volunteers. It's hard for them to come to us and volunteer because uh, you know no one could go anywhere. So that Invent for Good was born from that. And we, um, in a very small rollout, at the beginning, we uh, contacted schools that we've worked with and said, if your teams would like something that they can do, but in a safer environment and in small groups, then we will mentor them remotely through the design um, and prototyping of these new assemblies. And then they can propose their work. And if it, if it is viable, then we will finalize it and implement it on the cars. So now Invent for Good teams have worked from every th- on everything from ping pong ball shooters to eye gaze directed drive. Say more about eye gaze directed drive. You sent that video and I was like mind blown. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> these um, are these are middle school and high school kids that are that are executing the mo- in my mind, my simple mind, the most sophisticated tech and the most progressive tech, the most innovative tech in real applications in Kansas City. Where well, you tell the story, but what does that mean? What does I I directed gaze mean? So um, first, I would say one of the things I'm most am proud of about all of our programs is we break the barrier between um, student groups and uh, professionals, and we invite them to collaborate. So it was actually a college team and a professional uh, software developers and interface design. Dep- designers who collaborated on eye gaze directed drive but 
it became very uh, clear early on in Geeks for Kids that we would have to have many different drive systems to empower kids with many different kinds of abilities. And one of the most challenging needs was to how to help a child move when they could move nothing but their eyes. Mm. And they couldn't move their heads. They couldn't move their arms or legs. Um, that They really couldn't make a motion that we could leverage to help them drive. So um, we wrote a requirements document saying we have to somehow help a child who can only move his or her eyes. And um, that led to a collaboration between our software design team on the design group um, mm. and a student engineering group at UMKC to build a system of cameras and monitors that are watching the child's eyes and where she looks, the car goes. And that's a lot of tech, <laughs> um, and it's a very complex challenge just to do that. Mm. But it's a much bigger challenge to do it in the real world, to do it... Um, with young children who might look <laughs> at a squirrel running by and you don't want them to drive over the squirrel or, yes. or they might look at their sister and you don't want them to drive into him or uh, to her. And, and then all the other mm. conditions of the real world going in and out of shade, uh, ch children whose eyes mm. um, shudder mm. a lot or are just distractible, mm. who maybe aren't very verbal because maybe they're very small. In fact, we don't currently implement eye gaze with children under five because they have to be able to understand the consequences of their actions and the risks mm. they entail. But it has Same. been a really exciting and terrifying and complex puzzle that the team has done so amazingly well. Mm. It's amazing. It really is amazing. I, I have this word in my brain. You, you've used the word stretch several times, which is... Uh, amazing and and very evident in all of the applications you've discussed I'm curious how this has stretched you or and, and, and maybe to be more practical because I know you won't you won't disclose it on your own <laughs> I know you well enough to know that um, you have sacrificed a great deal to bring this to life to sustain I know there's five million other things at play beyond you for sure but You've slept on floors, you've pulled all-nighters, you've driven all over the country. Why has that sacrifice to you personally been one worth making? Um, it's better than cocaine. <laughs> 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 I mean, I've never tried cocaine, so I'm only guessing. But it is oh my gosh, I did not expect that. And it was wonderful. truly addictive. Um, I, you mm. know, in all 19 years, of teaching kids, and I'm not a teacher. I mean, not yeah, not by training. Um, but you know, one little kid looks up to you with those beautiful eyes and says, "But I really want to do blank, or I re this mm. is really important." And how do you not stretch? How do you not? Mm. So, mm. It, uh, you know, it floats my boat. It isn't. I I, I really 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 hope that every single kid benefits to the maximum possible that we can make it work for them, well, everything we do. But, oh, the payback of, of seeing them happy or seeing a light bulb moment or seeing something new be possible is uh, yeah, worth everything. Better than cocaine. <laughs> okay. That is amazing. A little bit that of a dangerous a, analogy because I do not <laughs> encourage people to take cocaine. But the high um, is good. The it high is, is so good. good. The high is good. So um, we're gonna we're gonna wrap here in a moment because I, I could ask you. This is for my own boundary for your time <laughs> and my own um, because I could ask you a million more questions. But let me before we wind, let me ask one pointed one. How can listeners of this show help in the in the addictive high that you are building <laughs> there's so many ways um we are always we are an all-volunteer mm. organization we have no paid staff um and so you can come in for an afternoon or a day and mm. turn wrenches or sew seams or make cookies or keep kids from driving into the crowded <laughs> streets and that would be awesome um 
people who are technical could join the design team. Those are the people who do all the new innovation work or guide others in doing it, and they make all the technical assemblies that will be put together on public build event days. They could join the business group, because frankly, we really suck at that. <laughs> um, and the business group are the people who plan the events, help coordinate the volunteers who um, work with referral agencies. And by the way, that's all me, who do all the marketing work. If you knew me, that would be the most <laughs> ridiculous statement ever. Um, and help with fundraising, our greatest weakness. Yes. Um, we are constantly looking for co corporate sponsors and... Uh, foundation support, and they can refer kids. Um, I, I think one of my greatest worries is that not every kid gets therapy, but almost all our kids come from therapy referrals, so there mm. might be lots of kids who need help, but we don't know them. So referring a kid is a really no-cost, low-effort mm. activity. It's beautiful. So it's beautiful. Those are the four key that's beautiful, and, w and we'll put all this on the website and in the show notes, but the, where would you direct someone to, who wanted to know more? Maybe start at the Geeks website, which is geeks.learnscienceandmathclub.org. So Geeks is one program in the Learn Suite, so you go to the Geeks branch, and there's a lot there. Your second full-time job is a big one. <laughs> it's a, <big laughs> a big one. All right. Um, uh, in the interest of your day and calendar, let's let's uh, let's wrap this with our favorite five questions. Are you ready? Probably not, but I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I already know the answer because you're you're wearing it. But your favorite T-shirt and the story behind it is. Well, it would be a little much to say it's my favorite T-shirt because I hate T-shirts. Um, I don't. They choke me. They feel bad. <laughs> I look like a potato in them. But I always wear my team shirt. So um, on Geeks Build Days, I wear my Super Geeks shirt, the one I have on, or when my robo teams are competing, I wear their shirts. I love it. Um, you've answered this question already, but it bears repeating. What would you do right now if you weren't afraid? You know, I'm not afraid of not doing something. I've, I mean, I do get afraid, but I just do it anyway. I'm afraid what I, uh, that I'm not doing enough that I'm not trying hard enough, that I won't make that one more step that might make a difference. Mm. Um, so it's about how much more can I do. Mm. I love that. Where's your favorite place on earth? Wherever my people are. Who are those people? Uh, my mom, my husband, my kids, and my, my, my biological kids, and then my <laughs> larger <laughs> kids. Yeah, yeah. that's wonderful. Um, little curveball. We we are on a mission in our own business to do our best to define and articulate why human first stories matter, and and in the context of a what you traditionally call marketing, right? Um, so that's kind of core belief. And so instead of asking about your favorite book, we can also get that information. The fourth question I'd love to ask you is. <laughs> When you hear the phrase human first, what does that mean to you? I don't know. I think it could mean a lot of things. Mm. In what we do, it means what is the thing we can do to most advance someone else's cause. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Well said. Hi, Bar. Hi, Bar. 2023. Let's go. Uh, and then last one. I did prep you on this one. But when it's all over here, right? We're all on that clock. What do you want to be remembered for? Loving hard. I'll let that one sit. That's good. Rebecca, I'm inspired. I'm grateful. I, uh, I feel you were nervous for the podcast. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> I don't like to be in the front. I like to be behind. <laughs> how, does, uh, how are you feeling now? Oh, easy. That, yeah. that was easy. Yeah. You did a good job. Uh, well, thank you. How Would you have any closing comments or asks of our um, small but mighty audience out here in the weird corner of the Internet we live in? I'd just say everybody can change somebody's life. If not with us, then 
hold out your hand to somebody else. Boom. Rebecca, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. <laughs>